it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got an interesting uh, show lined up today with some great guests coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk with... Um, Oh, he's a, a screenwriter and uh, author and activist, and uh, he has a new book uh, called, uh, where did I leave the title? All this information and no title. There it is. I Refuse to Kill My Path to Nonviolent Action in the 1960s, uh, written by... Um, Francesco da Vinci, and he'll be joining me uh, coming up in the third hour of the show. Um, in the middle of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with renowned photographer Santino uh, Zaffirana. He has a, a new book that's not just a collection of his uh, incredible work, but some great tips and, and suggestions on how to make your own photography better. It's called Think Before You Shoot. But we start out talking about, and I don't, I don't know if everybody else feels this way, but after the last couple of years of being shut in, I've put on a few, uh, a few COVID pounds, and I can't tell you the number of times it has crossed my mind to see if there wasn't some surgical correction to that. And I think a lot of people are, are thinking that too. And here to talk about that is um, New York City's. Uh, preeminent plastic surgeon, Dr. Richard Westrike, and he joins me by phone. Richard, good morning and welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. So, uh, thank you for having me. Happy Friday. <laughs> you know, between the uh, binging of Netflix and the binging of Cheetos, there are a lot of people <laughs> coming to you saying, Fix my boo-boo. <laughs> I, I, I messed up here. Can we make it better? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The um, the very interesting thing that happened uh, kind of right away during the pandemic when things opened back up was, um, you know, a very significant influx of patients, um, specifically surgical patients. And I think there were a lot of different reasons, but um, one of the things that ultimately became very significant was I think what they're calling the Zoom boom, which is, you know, people being on their Zoom calls on camera and seeing themselves on camera. Um, I think it drove a lot of people to do various procedures, that plus, you know, kind of the um, flexibility of the work environment um, and the ability to kind of recover and privacy. 
So there was there was a, a lot of work to be done uh, during COVID. <laughs> well, let me let me ask this: um, for a lot of cities and and hospitals around the country, um, elective surgery w- was just not happening for long periods of time during this last couple of years. Um, it, it, how much of this? Uh, this zoom boom is is um, s- uh, neglected procedures, uh, things that people wanted to have done two years ago, but just weren't able to have those procedures done because elective procedures were being sort of pushed aside because of the need for, uh, frankly, COVID beds. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's. Um a very small minority, <clears throat> you know, here in New There wasn't York, a huge backlog of... There wasn't because we were, they only shut down elective surgery for about two months, maybe two and a half months. So obviously there was some of that. It seemed longer um, to me I, for some reason. <laughs> and me too. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they opened up uh, the first or second week in June after closing down, you know, the second or third week in March. So it was really only a two-month time period that elective surgery was um, was not allowed. And then even though they sort of threatened it a couple times as things kind of moved around, it never went into effect again in New York City. I think briefly in upstate New York, there was a short period uh, during the Omicron spike where a couple of hospitals couldn't do elective surgery. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing about that, you know, from my standpoint is obviously there's elective surgery and then there's elective surgery. And, you know, my my surgery is obviously purely elective, but, you know, grouped into that was stuff like cardiac caths and other things that, like, aren't so elective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I thought um, that that broad kind of brush was um, a, l- a little bit unfair, <laughs> um, not to me and the things that I do, but for other people that kind of got caught up in that wave. But ultimately, two months, I think the reality is not so much a backlog, but, you know, they say it takes about five years for the average cosmetic surgery patient to go from thinking about it to actually doing it. And what I think happened was that five years became five months or one year. People just had more time and more opportunity to kind of do their research and there were virtual consults and you could go on you know, 10 virtual consults if you wanted without leaving your home. I think the whole process just sped up and sort of the funnel expanded because of you know the reasons of opportunity and flexibility. And um, there's also an element I think of people weren't able to do things for themselves. And so this was one thing they could do for themselves. You know, they couldn't travel, they couldn't, you know, have parties, they, you know, for a while they couldn't go to a restaurant or the salon, and, you know, they just wanted to do something, and, you know, do something for themselves. Well, uh, you know, for all the talk that uh, was out there about ways to exercise and stay fit while you were at home, you know, on, on uh, in quarantine or on lockdown, um if if people are like me, not much of that was really being done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I would say the first six months I did really good. Yeah, I was actually in pretty good shape. You know, six months in, and then 
you know, the pendulum <laughs> swung <laughs> completely the other way. Um, yeah, it just, you know, the, the, the shine of uh, the, the home uh, workouts with the Peloton app just, you know, kind of ultimately went away. <laughs> so I think we all wound up in the same boat, unfortunately. Yeah, well, it, it lasted a lot longer than any of us expected initially and, um, and, and still hasn't really completely gone away. Um, I, I keep wanting to talk about now being a post-pandemic period, and I'm just, I'm not sure we're quite there. Yeah, you know, obviously, I, I completely agree. This went on much longer than everybody anticipated. And, and I don't know, It's I think at this point, it's probably more of a psychological thing of, you know, defining what's the difference between pandemic and endemic, and people coming to grips with, you know, just being comfortable with this being more of an endemic thing like a flu. Obviously, we're, we're trending or really close to that situation now. And, um, you know, at some point that switch is going to flip. But I think it, it depends on where you are. I think in New York, um, it's going to take longer than, you know, some places like Miami, <laughs> um, just based on the experience of the two years. So it'll, it'll be transitional, but geographic. Yeah, of course, in New York, people spend uh, considerably more time indoors than people in Miami. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, so, and, and people are much closer together, uh, by and large. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in pretty sweeping generalities there. But let me, let me ask you this, because you, you talked about um, the work you do being elective surgery, um, do you get involved in cases where it isn't elective surgery? I, I do. I mean, there are, um, I do a lot of like no surgery, for example. And, um, you know, I do a lot of cases that really aren't about appearance, but function. I also and I'm do thinking, some, some I'm thinking about, you know, uh, uh, oh, um, disfiguring, uh, injuries from traffic accidents and, and other kinds of mishaps. There's some of that um, that, I, that I definitely do. I also do um, a good amount of uh, reconstruction after Mohs surgery, which is a surgery that dermatologists use to remove skin cancer. Um, so, you know, those, those are definitely not elective. Um, one of the reasons I probably don't do more of the accident type cases is, um, you know, early on in my career, I did a lot of them, but I was also working at a hospital that was a level one trauma center. Right. And so, you know, I no longer work at a hospital. And, and then if you're not working at the hospital, then the level one trauma cases like that are, are going to, you know, go to the people that are there. Um, so the opportunity just isn't present. Right, right. What are the things that, um, that people are asking for most? Uh, so I, I do predominantly uh, facial work. So my answer is going to be a little skewed. Um, but I would say that uh, people have become particularly interested in the last two years in, in jawline neck procedures and um, eye procedures. Really? I, you I know, would... most of us think of plastic surgery <laughs> as nose jobs and boob jobs. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's a lot more. <laughs> um, 
you know, the in, during the pandemic, the, the, the most popular things kind of changed. Um, you know, I mean, breast augmentation was still up there, but uh, facial procedures, you know, were two and three, whereas in the past, um, one, two, and three were all, all body procedures. So, and again, I think that was related to all of the on-camera work. Um, and also, I think um, social media, right? Social media gained a huge presence during the pandemic. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of photography. And, you know, anyone that wanted to participate wanted to optimize that. But, you know, I think the, the, the classics, you know, the uh, breast augmentation, the abdominoplasty, liposuction, rhinoplasty, you know, those are still the most, the most popular. And how many, do you have a sense, and I don't want to put you on the spot, Richard, but do you have any idea of what percentage of uh, American adults have or get some procedure done? Um, I don't actually. I mean, I, I, n I never really thought of it in that, in that way. Um, what I would say is... Um, you know, you could look at the total number of procedures done in, in a given year, right? Yeah. Um, it's probably on the order of about a million, um, say, looking at the 2020 data. Um, so, you know, and obviously that's cumulative or, over time. So I'd, it, 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 I'd probably venture a rough estimate of probably 10 15%, you know, cumulatively yeah. over a lifetime. It's probably a reasonable, a reasonable guess. Well, I was just trying to get some some sense of how many people uh, get these procedures and how much it's growing. Um, well, it, are it's a lot more people growing. Yeah, are a lot yeah. more people doing it now than say ten years ago or twenty years ago? Definitely, I think there's there's been a kind of a general acceptance of the of the concept of having cosmetic surgery people don't really hide it anymore um and i think that that plus the fact that the procedures have honestly gotten much better and i think a lot of the stigmata of like obvious cosmetic surgery has kind of fallen by the wayside so i think there's a higher level of confidence um from the general population as well as a higher level of acceptance um i mean it, surgical procedures have not grown as quickly as, say, non-surgical, um, which have probably grown, you know, two or three times as quickly as the surgical. Um, but that's not unexpected. I want to talk about some of those some of those things. Of course, one of the things you're referring to are uh, Botox injections. And I, and I want to talk to you about some of... Uh, you know some of the upsides and downsides of of and and risks involved in having uh, cosmetic surgery, but I have to take a break here. Richard, can you stick around for a few sure. minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. All right, great. My guest is um, Dr. Richard Westrike, and he is um, a uh, well, he's considered New York City's top doc when it comes to. Uh, plastic surgery. We'll be back with more right after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about plastic surgery with uh, a top practitioner from New York City, Dr. Richard Westrike, and he joins me by phone. Richard, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. Um, Richard, I mentioned a couple of things that were, you know, I mentioned Botox injections just before the break and, and some other things that have some downsides, but you're particularly concerned about um, maybe a rise in interest and in, in the, the um, actual mortality rate involved with uh, a procedure called the Brazilian butt lift. What exactly is a Brazilian <laughs> butt lift? Uh, well, so uh, technically it is, it is called uh, a gluteal augmentation procedure, uh, but colloquially known as a Brazilian butt lift. Actually, a Brazilian butt lift was initially done with silicone, and then this was maybe 20 years ago. Um, so what it is now is it's a procedure where you get body liposuction. Um, they collect the fat that they remove, they process it to get the highest quality fat, and then they re-inject it into the gluteal region to either give a lift or greater size or more shapeliness to that region. Um, and it's actually one of the fastest growing procedures within cosmetic surgery. I think um, that specifically is, is very heavily influenced by social media. Um, sort of kind of like a Kardashian effect, if you will. Yeah, um, I was going to ask about that because to me it seems like um, a lot of the procedures that people are getting um, look exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, Almost cartoonish. <laughs> I mean, I think that, again, that that's part of the whole kind of visual world that we live in, you know, it's it's sort of eye-catching, right? Um, and in a way, it's, 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 it's definitely a little bit cartoonish, um, but I think that, you know, that people want to get noticed. Let's, let's talk about the, the, um, the BBL or the, uh, gluteus augmentation or whatever it is <laughs> um i'm terrible with all these phrases but the the brazilian butt lift um is is that one of those things that's that's becoming more popular because of celebrities doing it i think so and i also think that there's also an element as societally we become more sort of multicultural um, a lot of, you know, other cultures, uh, a, a larger rear end is, is a very, very desirable thing, you know, especially amongst like Latin and African American communities. And I think that as we trend to a more multicultural society, our concepts of beauty shift. And so that kind of supports this, this BBL um, being something that people, people seek. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely the celebrities make a big impact on that whole um, scenario. Uh, for some reason, and, and maybe you can um, explain this in, in better terms, I, I, 
plastic surgery is not something I think about all the time, but it does pop up all the time. And I always think of it as being almost an L.A. phenomenon. Um, well, I mean, I think... Do you um, know what I mean? And m- maybe that's just yeah. because so many celebrities live and work in L.A. and they're the ones, you know, that, that we're seeing in media all the time. Um, it, it just never really occurred to me to think about people along the East Coast um, wanting these procedures done. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I definitely see why it would feel more like a West Coast phenomenon. I mean, I think there are areas of kind of concentration in some of the major metropolitan areas, um, and that's going to include like New York, Miami, Boston, Chicago, um, L.A., uh, amongst others. Um, but I think it's somewhat ubiquitous. Uh, what, I, what I would say is that I think a lot of my patients, the vast, vast, vast majority, like 90-plus percent, the, the reason they're having a procedure done is just there's a specific one thing that kind of creates anxiety for them, either in social situations or personal situations, and they just want to not think about it anymore. And I think that's kind of the healthiest patient, right? The person who has a singular goal um, in a way to sort of like wipe away an issue that is holding them back in any capacity. So, Given that that's the vast majority of the people, um, I think it then makes sense that it's not just confined to, you know, L.A. or or places where, um, I guess, historically it's always been considered that, you know, looks are the like the 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 top issue. Um, I think it's it's part looks, it's part psychological, and I, in many ways, in, in in a lot of cases, part mental health. Um, and, you know, truthfully for me, seeing those patients come out on the other side with, like, a lighter sense of self um, is probably the most rewarding aspect. Um, but you just don't see those stories, right? <laughs> um, they'd much rather write the story about, you know, the, the, the actor or actress who had something done. Um, especially if, about, it, especially yeah. if it goes wrong. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I like to point out to people that, you know, for every, for every bad plastic surgery outcome that you see, there's probably a hundred good ones that you never know happened. Well, let me, let me ask you this. What about the expense involved, Richard? Um, are any of these procedures ever covered by people's health plans? Um, are they tremendously expensive? And under what conditions might a health plan cover plastic surgery? So they, they are rarely covered. I mean, the, the procedures that typically can be covered in part are going to be, you know, sort of aging upper eyelid issues if it involves uh, visual field blockage. Um, where you actually can't see because right. of the excess skin. Um, a lot of post-traumatic issues, um, if there's a functional consequence, say, to an accident, that's going to be covered. Um, you know, breast reduction surgery is typically uh, and often covered amongst others. So there, there are um, procedures that are covered. It's just, you know, over the years, the insurance companies have made it more and more difficult to actually achieve that coverage. And so it's kind of a shrinking pool 
Um, you know, I always say to the, the people that say they come in with scars from an accident or some sort of disfigurement from an accident, um, I say, you know, it's, it, 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 it doesn't make sense to the layperson, but, like, the insurance company just doesn't care that you had an accident unless you have a functional consequence. And so unless you have a functional consequence, they don't cover it, which just seems unfair all around. But, you know, I don't make the rules. But there are ways to, um, or, or maybe not, um, are there ways to diagnose um, a condition for someone that, that would show um, a, a true need for uh, what might be considered an elective procedure? There, there are. Um, but as I said, you know, the, the number of criteria, it's like tax law, right? <laughs> <laughs> they never get rid of anything. They just keep adding more. Um, so it just becomes increasingly difficult to kind of get that coverage approved, but it's still possible. And, you know, there are a lot of scenarios where you can get partial coverage, you know, where a component of it, you know, again, like if you're doing a nose procedure and you have breathing issues or you're doing an abdominoplasty and there's a hernia, you know, there's partial coverage situations that also come into play. And ultimately, you know, we, you try and do your best for the patient because, the, as you mentioned before, I mean, the cost burden is is quite high um, to have these procedures. I mean, there's um, three aspects to getting a procedure done. It's, you know, the doctor, the place where you're doing it, and then the anesthesiologist. Um, and so there's three separate cost centers involved in doing a procedure out of pocket, and obviously those things can add up. Um, you know, there are financing companies um, that exist that help people finance um, if they need to do that in part. I don't necessarily, you know, condone that, but um, it, it does make things available to more people. Um, so I guess there's a plus and a minus there. What is the deal with the Botox craze? Um, <laughs> I see it advertised everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of a perfect intervention because it's not permanent and it's easy and there's no downtime and people you know like the effects and um, and so it's become very uh, available. I mean. Everybody gives Botox. Um, but I think, you know, everything can be done well or, or, or not. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think with everything there's a certain learning curve and a certain nuance. And, you know, so you, you do see a lot of bad Botox out there. It doesn't mean it was cheap Botox. Like, you can pay a lot and get bad Botox, too. But, um, you know, I, I, I question as to whether, you know, like, you know, the dentists and the internists and, you know, like whether or not they really should be doing that. But I guess, you know, they could be really good at it. So, you know, um, but it's, well, it's a very interesting phenomenon. But let, let's talk about that. How, how, would, uh, how would a person know if they were, um, you know, seeking uh, a, a procedure that's been advertised, you know, by a dentist or an internist or or even just a primary care physician, um, how would they know that this person wasn't necessarily good at it? Is there is there a way to uh, to vet procedures and uh, 
the people doing them? Unfortunately not. I mean, there's patients will ask for before and after photos, right? Um, and um, so we have those, but it's it's a small subset of the patients that we treat. And again, I don't I don't want to be misquoted into saying that you know, like an internist or a dentist couldn't be really great at it. Um, you know, the truth is that anybody with medical training, if they do the appropriate kind of background and everything else, it's a fairly simple procedure. And again, you, you can't really harm somebody with it. It's temporary. And so the risk profile is very low. Um, and then the, on the opposite coin, you know, you could have plastic surgeons or, or dermatologists, you know, that are, that are terrible at Botox. Um, I just think it's one of these things where there are certain ways to do it that are good <laughs> and certain ways to do it that are not good. Um, and I, I guess just from experience, you know, if you if you go to somebody and the first time's bad, like don't go back for more, you know, <laughs> um, which happens all the time. Um, you know, but you say in the it, case of of Botox, if somebody has a bad experience, they can go to another doctor and maybe have that procedure reversed. You can't reverse Botox. You can kind of balance it, and I do that on occasion. That's that's um, what. Well, that I I got the impression earlier um, in the conversation that um, that Botox uh, was somewhat flexible and correctable. Well, it, it goes away after two or three months. Oh, um, okay. filler. Filler, you know, alternatively actually has a reversal agent. You can dissolve most types of filler. So that's actually reversible immediately. Um, but, yeah, Botox, it just sort of fades away over two to three months. And once you have Botox, you can only add more to try and balance things out so it doesn't look funny. Um, you're sort of stuck in that two to three-month cycle. Wow. Is that So you would have to... They have injections r roughly every 90 days. Yeah, every to, three to or four maintain. months for consistency, yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. I thought once it was done, it was done. What, about, what about the silly things that we, we hear about with air travel and breast augmentation? Uh, you know, the idea that the implants can explode or, or procedures that have been done could be affected in some way, not just with breast augmentation, but other augmentations could be affected by air pressure from air travel. Is that, um, is, is that just a, a myth? I, I would say definitely. Um, you know, when you have a procedure, <clears throat> the first one to two weeks after the procedure, there's going to be some air stuck in your soft tissues that's slowly resorbed. Um, so that's the only thing related to air travel that has any real relevance is if you have a procedure and the next week you fly, that air that's trapped in your tissues is going to expand in the low pressure. Um, but it usually doesn't cause harm. It just causes swelling or discomfort. Mm. Um, and certainly if you're six months out from a procedure, you know, flying is not going to cause your 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 breast implant to, to rupture. It's just not enough of a pressure differential to cause that effect. Is there, um, is, is there a, a 
unintended bias in in plastic surgery um, because of the expense and the fact that uh, health care providers uh, won't provide coverage for certain procedures? Um, um, bias in, in what capacity? Well, I'm thinking in terms of uh, economic disparity, uh, uh, people of color, um, others that might be considered financially at risk that would like to have certain procedures done and and just simply can't afford them does that does that create a uh, uh, is is there a unique audience that that participates in in getting these kinds of procedures done do they have to have a certain income level yeah I mean I would say obviously the cost um, would definitely impart a certain amount of bias. Um, as I mentioned before, there there are financing companies that um, patients use quite regularly. Um, you know where you can have a procedure and pay for it over you know one year, two years, five years. Um, and, and I want to go back and underscore the unintentional part. <laughs> you know that. Yes. <laughs> um, you know does does is there a have and have not effect on can and cannot. I, I would say definitely to some degree, but there are opportunities. You know, for example, if if you go to a um, a training program, um, you know, like a, I remember when I was at uh, at Mount Sinai in my fellowship, I did a lot of um, free cosmetic procedures um, as part of the fellowship. So you, you can actually get access um, in like an educational scenario. Um, you know, the next question would then be, well, is, is the quality as good? And I would say generally um, almost um, because those, those people are being supervised um, by, you know, their fellowship director or somebody who's been trained. So there there is access through that avenue as well. But, yeah, I mean, just from the cost perspective, but you know, at the same time, it's like is uh, you, know, you know, Mercedes a biased car company? <laughs> um, you know, I think that there's a lot of examples of 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 things in our society, unfortunately, that are that are cost dependent, which do limit access to certain people. Um, but there's there's avenues within cosmetic surgery that I think affords opportunities for people that otherwise couldn't afford it. Um, and you know, a lot of my colleagues do do you know, missions and trips for, you know, cleft palate and other other deformities. Sure. Sure. Um, so we, we do try and give back in some capacity, but, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think to, to some degree what you're saying is true. Well, Richard, um, we've got to wrap it up, but I, I want uh, to do a couple of things here before we sign off. Sure. Um, one is uh, if you have a, a couple of tips for people who might be thinking about some kind of a corrective or uh, uh, augmenting procedure. Um, and, and the other is where listeners can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future, and, and more about what we've been talking about. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to talk about a, a few things. I think, you know, from the standpoint of, of uh, cosmetic procedures, I think um, that one of the things I tell people is that even though things have gotten much easier to kind of 
go through the process and get things done very quickly that, you know, you should always take your time in making your decisions. Um, and recognize that it's a it's a fairly intimate experience both for the doctor and the patient. So, you know, make sure you like the person when you meet them. Um, you know, that's really important because, you know, not everything goes 100% the way it's supposed to, and you want to make sure that person's going to be by your side. So don't rush. Make sure you like the person. And also, you know, make sure that that person is, is particularly skilled in the specific procedure you're looking to have done. Um, you know, I might be a great rhinoplasty surgeon, but like a terrible eye surgeon. I mean, I'm not, but I'm just saying just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you have a skill set across the board. And I think those are probably the top three things um, that I would that I would uh, tell patients to consider. Uh, in terms of learning more about me, I suppose uh, website's always good. Um, my website is New Face NY or New Face New York. Um, and nowadays, you, you, you got to plug Instagram too. <laughs> so that's <laughs> at New Face NY. Um, there, there you get to see the more um, interesting side of my practice and personality. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, good to know. Um, <laughs> doctor, thanks so much for spending this time with me and sharing your expertise with me and the listeners. Uh, it's, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Have a fabulous Friday, okay? All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Again, that was uh, Dr. Richard Westreich, a top New York City plastic surgeon, talking about how to mitigate some of the risks associated with uh, cosmetic procedures. And um, coming up in the uh, next hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to be talking with... Um, Oh, this is, this is a great conversation coming up. Santino Zaffirana, author of Think Before You Shoot, talks about uh, uh, the power of images and, and uh, how important they are um, in his new book and, and gives some tips on, on how to take better photographs. And then a little later in the show, we're going to talk with uh, a prominent 60s peace activist, and um, author of the uh, author of the book I Refuse to Kill: My Path to Nonviolent Action in the 1960s, Francesco da Vinci joins me during the third half of our three-hour tour. Now, in the meantime, we're going to let our broadcast partners at uh, WFOVLP, Our Voices Radio, 92.1 FM, Flint squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And don't forget, if you go to the Tom Sumner Program website, you can uh, scroll through and find previous interviews anytime. And uh, as far as that goes, you can hear the show anytime because it repeats uh, 24 hours a day until the next new show is, uh, is done. So, don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse, stay with us for lots more of the Tom Sumner program, um, and uh, thanks for being along, appreciate it, and thanks to all the people that are chipping in on the Facebook fundraiser too. 
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nussel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee. Health Plan with Blood Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. <laughs> After seven years of cycloid insomnia, or slugger's disease, John Bickerson had finally consented to allow Dr. Hershey to relieve his condition. In room 113 at the General Hospital, Mrs. Bickerson watches anxiously as a surgical nurse ministers to poor John, who is suffering an attack the night before the operation. Listen. Oh, it's like being married to a steam shovel nurse. Cough's normal. Enjoy yourself, dear. Dr. Hershey's waiting for you in the corridor, Mrs. Bickerson. Oh, hello, doctor. Is he resting? I gave him a sedative. That'll quiet him down. Well, he isn't very quiet. Oh, well, actually, I could have done the operation in my office. It's so trivial. I won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatsoever. Will it hurt him? Not the slightest. All we do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Hershey, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? I would say about $40. Would there be any discomfort if he didn't have an anesthetic? Not for me, there wouldn't. I wouldn't advise the operation without it. And you're sure he'll be cured when you're through? Oh, practically certain. Well, it's almost midnight now. I'll do his case first thing about seven. He just needs a good night's rest. Well, I'll just stay a little longer. Good night. Call the floor nurse if you need anything. Oh, I will. I hope that pill's quieted him down. I'm sure that isn't doing him any good. John! John, wake up! What? What's the matter, Blanche? Uh, what's the matter, huh? I put the cat out, I locked the windows, I left a note for the milkman, and I, and I hung up... John, uh, we're in the hospital. What for? Is somebody sick? No, you're going to have an operation. Dr. Hershey's going to shorten your uvula in the morning. Well, then what did you wake me up now for? Well, you were snoring, and I was afraid you'd wear it off before you got a chance to operate. You've been snoring steadily for three hours. Don't you suppose I want to sleep, too? You're not sleeping here, are you? Yes, I am. It costs another $5 to put another cart in the room. I... And I intend to use it. I can't get one night's sleep. Where's my nightgown? Not night even gown? in the hospital. I don't understand why you have to have an operation to cure your snoring. I didn't want it. You've been working on me for seven years to do this. I'm beginning to think it was a waste of money. I could have used that $40. I'm still walking around in a short dress. What are you going on about? Tomorrow I'll be walking around with a short uvula. Don't be so crabby. I'm not crabby. I'm just sleepy. Why don't you stop fiddling with that mirror and put out the lights? I have to get undressed, don't I? Well, take your dress off. Why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? I didn't even know you had bald eyelids. My eyelids are not bald. It's just that my lashes are short, and they don't bring out my eyes. Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. Really? Really. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. What kind of a remark? 
fuck is that? Oh, hurry up, Blanche. I'm groggy. Blanche, what on earth are you taking out of your hair? It's a rat. A what? A roll of false hair. I have to wear it for the new hairstyles. My own hair is too thin with a pompadour. Oh, darn it, I can't get out of this dress. Blanche, what are those things? Haven't you ever seen shoulder pads before? Oh, I've never heard of such a thing. Your eyelashes are on the dresser, your hair is in the drawer, and your shoulders are on the chairs. What about it? That's you all over, Blanche. No one can think of more ways to spend money. Are you ready for bed now? Yes, dear. I'm ready for bed. Shall I crank yours up a little? No, put out the lights. Oh, I wanted to glance at the paper first. You go ahead and go to sleep. I can't sleep with the lights on. I left my sleep shade at home. Well, I won't be a minute. No one would believe this. In six hours, they're going to carve me to pieces. I'm supposed to rest, and here I'm... Shh! I can't concentrate with you mumbling. (laughs) There's certainly a lot of activity in Washington. What's all this tax reduction talk? Talk. Listen to what's... Blanche, I read the paper, every word of it. Read it to yourself. Don't be so disagreeable. Dr. Hershey told me to keep you occupied so you wouldn't think about the operation. All I'm thinking about is sleep. Oh, that's a good boy. You mustn't get nervous. No. I see the stock market is going up. That's fine. We have some stock, haven't we? Didn't you get some stock last year? Ten shares. Kentucky Salt Petermann's preferred stock. My brother got you in on the ground floor, didn't he? Where is that now? In the ground can't even find it listed on the stock page. Look in the help wanted column. Are you getting relaxed, dear? No, now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm worried about you, John. If anything happened to you on the operating table, it would all be my fault. So, you know what I think? We'll, uh, sneak out, huh? No. I think you should make out a will. Make out a will? I thought you were worried about me. Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercies of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead, they'll... Don't talk like that. Can't you say pass on or something like that? Well, you always say drop dead. That's only when I'm talking to your brother. You could be a little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Because you make it sound like I'm going to go any minute. Well, they don't give you two weeks' notice, you know. Every man should make out a will. Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow. You say it, but you won't do it. Get up now. Do it now. What? Go on, get up, and make out a will. Well, you're out of your mind. In the first place, a will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses. And in second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place. Nobody is going to take anything, and I don't need a will. You are the most stubborn man that ever lived, John. Why? Why am I stubborn? It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. There's a woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will, and nobody can touch anything besides you. Okay, so now... You've got it all, my worldly goods. First thing you know, you'll get over your grief, marry a guy without a dollar to his name like that broken-down snore specialist, Dr. Hershey. Oh, I'm not going to marry anybody. He'll give up his practice, take you for every penny, my hard-earned money. He'll drive around my brand-new car, drink my bourbon, (laughs) loaf around like the French, never do a day's work. Why don't you make the bum get a job, Blanche? And then screaming like that up and go to sleep.
Go to sleep, she tells me. I'm a nervous wreck. She practically walks me into a funeral. Mary's a doctor behind my back. Now she tells me to go to sleep. I'll never sleep. Another wink as long as I... John, the telephone. The telephone. Answer no. it! No. Who, who the dickens is calling? Who moved the phone, Blanche? What'd you get up for? It's right on the night table beside your bed. I thought I was, uh... Hello? Mrs. Renesis, this is your maternity nurse. You can get ready now. I'm bringing your baby in. What? Blanche, how long have I been here? Isn't he 413? I don't know what this is, but I'm not feeding any babies. A way to run a hospital. It's just a mistake, John. No, I shouldn't have fallen for this operation deal. I could be so comfortable at home in my own bed. One of us should have stayed there. What for? How do you know a prowler won't break in? I left a whole bottle of bourbon on the dresser. Nobody will break in. The turkey would gobble and scare him away. The turkey would gobble? I can just see... Turkey? What turkey? Well, I was going to surprise you. I won a turkey in a raffle, John. You've got a live turkey running around the house? He isn't running around. I've got him tied to your bed. On my bed? What'd you do that for? I'll have the whole thing full of feathers. What'll we do with a live turkey? Well, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, John, and I thought you'd murder him for dinner. I'm not going to murder any turkeys. But if he lays a beak on my bourbon, I'll chop his head off. Blanche, you're the most impossible woman that ever lived. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I guess everything I do is wrong. I'll go home and put the turkey out. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Never mind. I didn't mean to holler. Let's go to sleep so I can feel good for the operation. I don't think I want you to have it. What's the least I can do for you? Kept you awake all these years with my snoring, and when Dr. Hershey gets through with me, I'll be as quiet as a mouse. But if you stop snoring, I'll never wake you up, will I? No. And if I don't wake you up, we won't fight, will we? That's right. Well, that settles it. I'm not going to let him operate, John. Why not? It's the only chance I get to talk to you. Come on, we're going home. I give up. Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. 
Come on, get out of here.